HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Cloud Ride, the first vape juice with flavors created by a James Beard award-winning chef. For more information, visit cloudridevapor.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. Today is a big day for us. Special day. Special day. Special special day, man. Uh, I I want to start out by thanking everyone for listening to the show over the last six years. This is today is actually our two hundredth episode of the Speakeasy. Kaboom! I can't even believe it. It's pretty crazy. We've had a, a, a lot of a lot of really amazing, interesting people on the show, uh, and. Some really fun times, and I, 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 today's guest, actually, I've been trying to get on the show since the very beginning, and uh, I'm really glad he can make it in the studio today. Um, let's welcome Greg Baum from Cocktail Kingdom, Mud Puddle Books, and Mace, and Boilermaker. God, you do a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. I keep busy, and uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Super happy to have you. Um, you know, it's, well, actually, like we're going to talk about your company, Cocktail Kingdom, uh, but, you know, uh, I just thought of this. Uh, Amore Amargo, your bar, actually, you're kind of like an outpost uh, yeah, for Cocktail Kingdom Tools. I sell uh, not everything they sell, but I sell a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a good place for people that are in, in the area looking to have a brick and mortar, go and pick up some uh, Cocktail Kingdom barware. If yeah, and I'm, if you're I'm, in town for I'm open night. later than you, so I get, yeah, exactly. I get them when they're desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had to go by for a jigger or a spoon before uh, going to an event in the city or something. I forgot, you know, like, yeah. oops, didn't bring a mixing glass. Swing by for an old fashioned and pick up a mixing glass. <laughs> yeah, you can't just go and buy tools. You have to like go and buy tools and have a drink with Souther, right? That's right. I call it I call it uh, drunken poker. I look <laughs> over, I see someone with a drink, and then they've got a jigger in front of them. And then I look over again, and their drink's half gone, and they've got a spoon and a, and a you know and a yari. And then I look over, the, the chips are just stacking up, and I'm like, oh, two drinks. That's three hundred and eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I know uh, your your family is in publishing, and that's. What got you involved in uh, started Mud Puddle Books, uh, but what, how did that how did that begin? 
so my family owned a company called Sterling Publishing, which we've since sold to Barnes & Noble quite a few years ago now. But uh, among the 4,000 books that we publish, we also publish a few cocktail books, most notably a guy named Salvatore Calabrese uh, was one of our authors. And uh, his book, Classic Cocktails, went on to be a bestseller. Uh, and through that, I got created an interest in, in cocktails. Uh, actually, in 1998, I think, don't hold me to that year, I actually introduced Salvatore Calabresi to Dale DeGroff because we did the book launch at the Rainbow Room. For oh, that wow. Book. oh, wow. So that was my first entree, uh, light entree into the cocktail world. That's not very light, man. That's, that's pretty heavy, <laughs> man. Heavy hitter. <laughs> well, I wasn't a major part of the event is what I meant. I was kind of just, it was, my, it was my idea to do it at the Rainbow Room, but uh, I wasn't that involved in the event. But, so you, had you not uh, like really like considered like bars and cocktails and spirits and things like that before, or was that, like you said, that's what you, got you into like cocktails, but were you... What were you drinking before then, I guess? Well, I come, I come from a family of drinkers, certainly. Uh, growing up, I told stories about how it was a little bit embarrassing hanging out with my mom at, in the 80s and 90s, early 90s, going out. And she always wanted a sidecar, and she kind of grilled them. Do you use fresh lemon juice? I mean, she was lucky if they even knew what a sidecar was then. Right. So, uh, and my father uh, certainly had good spirits, uh, good wine and good spirits around the house. So at that time, when I first met Salvatore Calabrese and, and Dale DeGraff, I like to drink, but I certainly was drinking basically you know, anything I poured into the glass. I wasn't as particular. Uh, it was a couple years later when I found myself uh, at least a week, usually two weeks a year, at Salvatore Calabrese's bar, which at that time was the library bar at the Lanesboro Hotel in London, that I really uh, started enjoying cocktails. And, uh, yeah, that was my first time I was actually drinking in London. <clears throat> gentlemen, gentlemen, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this being the 200th episode of the Speakeasy, I've got a, uh, a special guest here on the line Uh-oh. who I'm going to sneak in right now. Yeah, Say hello if you could. Hello. Hey, Damon. It's oh. the mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, mom? It's going great. I just want to congratulate you on your 200th episode and let you know how much I enjoy listening to your variety and the informative guest selections that you have. So happy 200th. Love you very much. Love you, too. That's my one listener. <laughs> <laughs> the no, most important Number one, one Thanks, Mom. Uh, that was beautiful. Um, cool. All right. So uh, you guys just met my mom. That's uh, awesome. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Um, so, uh, uh, so you cracked into getting into cocktails in London. Is it? Am I wrong when I when I think Mud Puddle Books is also they make children's books, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that was some, that's some, my favorite part of going to Cocktail Kingdom is like you all the kids' it. books and toys laying around, and then it's like serious cocktail stuff and like, antique. Well, bottles. we also make. Uh, dog toys and baby rattles in the shape of cocktail shakers as well. So (laughs) pretty much cradle to grave. Uh, Yeah, Mud Puddle Books is actually a children's book publisher. And uh, my old family business, uh, after we sold that, I started Mud Puddle Books. And then it was a couple years um, after we'd started publishing children's books, um, I'd actually amassed quite a large collection of antique cocktail books, which was uh, after going to Salvatore Calabresi's bar, I'd come back to New York. Uh, I didn't know Angel Share existed at the time. I wasn't finding my outlet for cocktails, so being a book nerd, I started collecting cocktail books. And then Mud Puddle started doing exact facsimile re- reproductions of my favorite cocktail sure. books. 
when you were collecting these books, were you were you heading back to your like lab and making drinks for yourself, or were you just interested in reading the books and having that tactile? Back 15, 14 years ago, it was pretty frustrating owning those sure. books. I love them. They look beautiful, but find what the heck ingredients. is this ingredient? Yeah. What's that ingredient? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't get orange bitters. Yeah. So uh, I actually packed up the books for about five years at one point. Brought them back out, started selling a few on eBay. Only things I had duplicates and triplicates, nothing I'm you know, sorry that I sold. And I re you know, looked, and all of a sudden I could get orange bitters. I could get all these ingredients. What is falernum? And yeah. I could look it up. I don't think it was Google. I think it was Alta Vista back then or something. <laughs> but I'd look it up on the Internet and see what these ingredients were. And all of a sudden these books, which had been interesting, pretty, all of a sudden became exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Did, well, like, you know, the, uh, I remember like right when you guys were starting up, uh, going into the office, like the old office before you moved to... Yeah, uh, you were an early adopter. <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember uh, like uh, hanging out with Nate Dumas and talking about like, you know, he was collecting books and like I was collecting tools and like at one point, like I remember like emailing you and Wondrich and I was like, which one of you guys is bidding against me on eBay right now? I'm trying to like get this old <laughs> Hawthorne strainer, you know, like let's like, let's take turns, like let's be gentlemen about this and it was like, it was, it was a really fun game like back then and I think, you know, you probably bought, like, all the existing copies of these old books. So, I mean... The, well, at the least they make them available to the public at the Cocktail Kingdom office. Yeah. There is a working research library, so people are allowed to come by by yeah. appointment and actually use them. They're not sitting in a closet someplace. Yeah. yeah. That's good. It, it, I've been an, in there. It's yeah, very impressive. An unused weapon is a useless weapon. I like, I like knowing that those things are there to be used. Yeah, totally. And, like, it, man, okay, so, you know, uh, there's... We got a lot to talk about, man. <laughs> we got a lot to talk yeah. about. Um, so back in those days, too, uh, when when Cocktail Kingdom first opened, uh, you were bringing a lot of tools in, mixing glasses, shakers, uh, strainer spoons, everything, um, from different places, like uh, mostly Japan. Uh, and you've since started, at a point, you started like folding in your own designs and, and recreations of old tools uh how many times have you been to tokyo i mean at this point um i've only been to tokyo three times i'm actually going back again in two weeks with uh, jeff beach bomberry to do a little more research since i haven't actually been there in two years <laughs> <Yeah>, air <laughs> quotes research <laughs> it's the radio uh, but yeah it's exactly what you said is that we started or i started bringing in barware from japan a little bit from germany uh after i met all these people that I had uh, the first people I met were the Robert Hess and um, Audrey Saunders and Eric Lawrence, and people were talking about Japanese barware. And so I decided to bring in some Japanese barware and just make it available to people. It wasn't really a business. Certainly was no business plan. And it was very popular. People liked the Japanese barware. So for the first couple of years, it was the Mud Puddle then morphed into Cocktail Kingdom, and we set up the business as a separate business. And then Cocktail Kingdom was a distributor of Japanese and German barware. Uh, at this like point, WMF was we brought in WMF. Um, also, uh, Ukiwa was one of the Japanese mm -hmm. brands. I still have a AG. bunch of Ukiwa stuff from back in the day. Yeah, the Ukiwa. I know use the the Baron strainer things. They're great. I mean, the the quality was really good. But they needed for many people. They needed a little bit of adaptation for the American market. For example, that the Ukiwa Baron strainer is fairly small in. Japan, they use slightly smaller mixing glasses than we use mm -hmm. here in slightly smaller drinks. I mean, you often see a drink that is the glass is four ounces, not the liquid inside it. So uh, everything's a little bit smaller. So we modified things. Uh, and then, of course, I started looking to where all these patents were and where all this history came from. And a lot of the 
what we call Japanese barware is actually uh, based on American barware from the 1800s. So we started recreating uh, old barware or adapting what was Japanese barware, which was originally American barware. Do you think full, about, full circle? Yeah. yeah. Do you think just a lot of that stuff? Just, I, like, I mean, obviously, prohibition's fucked up. Fucked up everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the noble think, experiment, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that? I mean, where did all these bar tools go? Were they just trash? Were they melted down to like turn into guns during World War Two? You know, like, I, like, <laughs> I, like, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think. I mean, a lot of them, uh, when bar tools first started, they weren't made to be bar tools. That wasn't a thing. Their tins were very sure. common, so there were two different sized tins. Stick them together, you got yourself a shaker. Uh, the first patented three piece shaker, eighteen eighty four, I believe, uh, by Hauk in Brooklyn, as hmm. the first uh, patented shaker, and. Uh, the first patented three-piece cobbler shaker. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't see the value in them. They weren't aesthetically beautiful. I mean, both Dave Wondrich and I collect practical barware, antique barware that was used by bartenders in service. So it's hard to collect because a lot of the stuff isn't ornamental. It's not necessarily beautiful. Um, A lot of the julep strainers were nice enough, so you kind of find those around. Some of the more practical julep strainers uh, you don't find around as much because they weren't as beautiful. People thought there were sugar sifters or different things, mm. and they weren't necessarily something when somebody sold their house or somebody passed away that they'd make sure to keep those small items. That's such a shame, man. Yeah, well. I found a, I actually found a Hawthorne strainer, the, the one with the punched out holes in the, in the flight. Like the one you guys actually read. The one that actually says Hawthorne on it? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. great I found strainer. one in uh, uh, this really great like antique. I, I guess we could call it Antique Mall in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, called Uncommon Objects. It's on South Congress. I found one. Like, I was I was just walking around this place. Cause I make sure I go there every time I'm in Austin. And I saw one, like, hanging behind a bunch of, like, other random tools, like, on a long nail in, in like, a dark corner. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And Nobody it, else would have spotted that. It called out to you. <laughs> well, here's the crazy thing. It didn't have the spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easily so, replaceable, sure. Yeah, I mean, like, but it, it's it's a it's actually silver plated. Uh, it's really tarnished, but like, does it, was, it have a bend in the handle or is the handle straight? It has the the bend in the handle. All right, so that's the original original because the straight handled one, uh, which says Hawthorne on it, uh, was made until 1977 with the, one of the last customers actually being the Concorde, as in. British Airways on the Concorde. If you flew it, they were using that strainer. What? <laughs> yeah, but not the one. The one you're talking about is quite a bit older. That if it has the bend in it, you're going yeah. back uh, forty years before that, fifty years before that. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> I think I got it for sixteen you got an bucks. Eye, you got an eye for. Dude, I, I can't even believe I saw it. And actually, you know what? What's the dumbest thing about this whole situation is that I didn't buy it immediately. <laughs> I had to think I, about I, it. I got back to Brooklyn and I was like. What the fuck was I thinking, man? So I called up uh, Uncommon Objects, and uh, I I was on the phone for about like twenty minutes, just guiding, just directing the, the guy yeah, to like, the. So yeah, it was off to the right, and then like you walk that way, and then it's like I think it's like four or five booths down. It was like on the side of this thing. It's behind a bunch of other shit on a nail, <laughs> yeah. and they finally found it. It was like this huge success like moment, and uh, they shipped it out to me, and uh, yeah, I think I. I think with shipping it was like sixteen bucks, but sixteen. Sixteen. Oh, I thought you said sixty. That <laughs> wouldn't have been bad either, dude. I, yeah, actually. Um, but like, of course, no one knew what it was, especially it didn't have the spring on it. But uh, yeah, 
So that's how I got that. That's amazing. But well, but it's I, really great that you, like when you guys started recreating that strainer, which was like the original Hawthorne before they started putting prongs on the side to where it would like sit on top of the shaker. You know, right? Yeah, the prongs was, were a guy named Lindley. Uh, I mean, the Lindley was the strainer without the prongs, and then a guy named Pick actually added the prongs at a later date. First, one prong, and then two prongs were added. If I think nineteen oh six or nineteen oh eight. It's amazing, crazy. Just the evolution of the the bar tools, man, and a little bit of lack of evolution. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they evolved, then they devolved, and yeah. now we're hopefully what? Cocktail Kingdoms brought it back to where it was, and we're making slow progress on improving things. Where, where in the chain of all these things? Because I, it's a weird thing. The only thing I collect that's old is whiskey, but I don't collect it. I drink it, and, <laughs> and also you collect um, it in your bill. I'm a consumer. I'm, I'm, I'm not a collector. I'm a consumer. I consume that stuff. But I do have those. You've seen them at a Mori Margo. The it's weird that I'm the guy who stirs, but I have the old handled shakers that look like a cobbler with a with a spout on the side. Yeah, where do those fall into this? They're from the 30s. Those are a little bit decorative. Yeah, they're mostly from 1938. And, and I got I fell in love with them watching the Thin Man movies. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I mean, they were patented in 38. Doesn't mean they didn't exist before that. Uh, but yeah, you can look at it and you can see how when it's the handle on one side and the spout on the other, if you turn it so that you can't see those really, it looks like a giant cobbler. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So well, it was a cobbler that, that was adapted to next? hide from during Prohibition so you could hide things in plain sight. Mm. A lot of those shakers that look like that. I mean, I have ones that have a juicer apparatus, so it's a three-piece shaker. You turn over the top, and I they claim it's thing. a juicer. But uh, that was pretty much so you could say it was a juicer, so you weren't saying you had a cocktail I, shaker. I saw one of those that was just the size to make. It was it was barely bigger than this plastic tumbler here, 10-ounce. Mm-hmm. And it had the top that flipped over with the juicer inside. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, they're cool stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. People don't always know it when they come across it but yeah okay. most of those shakers that i have I've, I've bought at you know random whatever i have more than one of them i've paid 10 bucks for and it'll say on the sticker or the tag it'll say old coffee urn yeah and i'll yeah. pay the 10 bucks <laughs> and then i'll go by the way this is a cocktail shaker i would have paid probably five times as much for this <laughs> that's kind of cruel now you know. you're an <laughs> asshole i let them know for the next time i let them know for the next time this, oh, this, all right, this all time right. i'm getting a Fair deal enough. but if you see these again it's not a coffee urn <laughs> Yeah, and, if it's, and and I never buy them if they don't have the the screw cap for the spout. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if it's not if, if all three pieces aren't there, it's worthless. Yeah, agreed. You're not going to find the same replacement part. Yeah, I right, mean, well, yeah, unless Cocktail Kingdom starts. Uh, we sell replacement parts. One thing at Cocktail Kingdom with the cobbler shakers, we actually sell the top separately because I mean, it's not a point of you know, not a big money maker for us, but it's just out of respect for bartenders. If somebody throws away the top, you want to be able to keep using it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's definitely a common thing. Well, actually, on the subject of... Uh, aren't you guys like just selling the, the springs for Hawthorne strainers? We yeah. do just sell the springs for Hawthorne strainers, so you can buy different types of Hawthorne strainers. If you don't want the one the ones that we're making, you can replace it. You use our high-quality uh, coil on somebody else's strainer, or if you you know, want to just replace one from one of our strainers, they fit. Well, that that's perfect that you're doing that now because I've had this Hawthorne strainer without a spring for <laughs> there like you go. seven years. That's great. Now See, you have to take your $16 strainer and spend $40 getting our coil <laughs> silver plated and you'll be golden. Get it silver plated and you'll be golden. I love it. Awesome, man. Right, on that note, let's take a quick break and when we get back, we'll continue talking with Greg from Cocktail Kingdom. On our 200th episode. Boom. All right, so our sponsor lately has been CloudRide. <laughs> they make these really, uh, these really cool. You know, this is our like, I think the, our fifth 
This would be our fourth time vaping, so yeah, the first time we didn't have the pen. All right, because because it was our first time to ever do this. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, they make these vape juices uh, for e-cigarettes, and we we've tried a bunch of their flavors, uh, which have been like I think. But you keep referring to it as a cocktail kit for your lungs. So are we gonna are we gonna mix a couple of flavors today? Should we? I mean, this the one that I'm putting in here right now is called the Tale, Tale of Taro. Tale of Taro. Taro root creme fresh. Sounds pretty cool. Earthy sounds, and sounds sweet. creamy. Um, I'm just loading this thing up right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Preparedness. I, I think I always overdo it in this thing. Because we're always under pressure. The clock's ticking. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, oh my God. Is there too much? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's delightful. Okay, so the whole the whole idea of this this company is that uh, there's a James Beard Award winning chef that it has tastes like a, breakfast cereal. It does. So you it know, like we, the we, sugar milk in the end of the bowl of breakfast cereal. When you have to like wake and vape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this sounds pretty cool. Uh, really cool packaging. You brave enough, Greg? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, nope. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun uh, trying out all these different flavors, especially for two guys who've never used an e-cig before. Uh, yeah, check it out. If you go to uh, their website and use the code SPEAK, you can get, was it 10, 20%? I think it's 20, right? 20% off. Purchase? I don't know. I don't yeah. have the paper in front of me. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, we just have the. You get a percentage no, off if you go to their website. <laughs> There's a break. There's a break. Say, use the code Speak. Like yep. Speakeasy. So the website is cloudridevapor.com. Go check it out. Pretty cool stuff, man. Created and by chefs and tested by scientists. You love saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it says it right on the box. It does. All right, Cloudride. Right, we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy's 200th episode on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And in the studio today, we've been speaking with Greg from Cocktail Kingdom. You know what, man? So we, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, this before, about the uh, the recreation uh, of these Japanese bar tools, which were actually American bar tools. And now, how often do you sell to Japanese bartenders? Uh, it's become a pretty good part of Cocktail Kingdom's business selling to Japan right now. Uh, we, <laughs> That's got to be satisfying. <laughs> it'll be interesting when I'm back there, uh, when I'm over there, I think starting September 15th for, uh, for a week, uh, to see how much of a presence. But definitely, uh, Japan isn't our biggest market for selling barware, but we sell quite a lot. Uh, there's a bunch of things that aren't available. Well, the first time I went to Japan, to Tokyo specifically, on, as we said, on business, to go drinking and visit bars... <laughs> I figured, what's the smallest thing I can carry around? I'll carry around an antique julep strainer because you know, they look cool. They're easy to carry and help me explain to people what I do. No bar I went to. I went to, I think, 22 different cocktail bars. Used a julep strainer or really knew what it was. And I went to some fairly significant cocktail bars with very knowledgeable bartenders who knew a lot about cocktails, but they didn't know what a julep strainer was. So they only used the Hawthorne's. They only used Hawthorne strainers with the coil. So uh, my little gimmick was a little bit lost on them. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, you introduce them to something new. I well, I mean, I'm yes. I mean, certainly, I tried to, uh, and then um, I actually had a, a interpreter with me, so it helped a little bit. And now we sell a lot of uh, julep strainers to Japan. That's crazy. And swizzle sticks. Swizzle sticks. <laughs> swizzle sticks. Yeah, well, Cocktail Kingdom buys Martinique. the world's harvest of swizzle sticks. World's commercial harvest. So if you're in Martinique by the airport, you might find one or two, but we actually buy all the rest. Wow, that's incredible. It's <laughs> crazy. It's like the Smuckers. Walele. Yeah, Walele. Yeah. It's like Smuckers. They buy all the Concord grapes. <laughs> all of them. That's it. That's yes. why they're so like, we'll chefs, chefs freak out if they see them because they're like, oh my God, Smuckers <laughs> didn't get these. That's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's notable that I mean I would say like we say it all the time that we we kind of live in our little bubble here but you know you do also like I like I've gone to a lot of people's houses who are like just enthusiasts of cocktails who have your bar tools I think that's incredible you know it's it's changed the you know like the three-piece cobbler shaker set with like the jigger on the handle that you know like the bar kit from like you know uh Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, right. like people actually give a shit about their bar tools, and it's impressive. And it's like, it's a really great conversation piece when someone goes to like a reserve collection, which is incredible Beautiful stuff. Uh, Thank you. The uh, what's the Black Diamond? <laughs> the uh, Black Diamond bars. Black- that's made in Japan. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> but that's a fi- was it fifteen hundred dollars? No, I wait two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my! God. Uh, it is actually with uh, this code speak you get. <laughs> a, a discount of some variety. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of our... I mean, it's actually the balance of the spoon is correct. So it's a solid silver spoon with a Swarovski crystal and I think 12 black diamonds around it. Um, and But it is well balanced. It is actually meant to be used. But there's um, an older gentleman in Tokyo who actually makes them by hand. And he can make one a month. Wow. That's we incredible. do not sell one a month. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, a, you have a backlog, even though he's only making one a month. But speaking of that, I think it's fascinating to me that you've been doing what you've been doing for a, a, a fair amount of time, but your products are likely in every cocktail bar of note on the planet. Not only cocktail bars, actually. We were talking and about homes before. as well. Like, yeah, I mean, no, not oh, even oh. that. So there, we were talking actually before the show about how uh, you were saying you went to like a, a like a. Scandinavian like metal bar. Scandinavian Oslo metal bar. Yeah. And I'm there, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And there's some great uh, cocktail bars in uh, Oslo as well. And I was just there. It's this place called, I don't know how to pronounce it, Kniven, Kniven, something like that. It's Knife. And, sure. Uh, and they're playing heavy metal. It's a nice bar. I look over. Sure enough, there's a Corico strainer there. <laughs> and, uh, and they had a like, couple of our bar spoons and stuff. And so it's, it's funny. And a dive bar in Oslo. I mean, that's, that's fascinating. But... And then what you just said about the consumer, you know, at, at my shop, 70% of the things I sell are to consumers. Well, if you think and then about that, that, that's 30% is just, you know, bartenders who are maybe not from New York who are visiting my bar. And then a chunk of the, rem- the remainder is definitely bartenders who are like, shit, I forgot something. I'm just going to swing by at Mori Margo. They're open at 11. I always compared it to fancy <laughs> knives. I mean, if you see that chefs are, chefs are using a specific brand or quality of fancy knife, I mean, if you're a home chef, sure. and you're home cook, you're going to want good stuff as well. Yeah, they come. They, they literally watch us use the tools at Amori Margo, and then they, they grab one off the shelf and put it in front of themselves. Yeah. It's yeah, easy. But, it's easy. You know, like we were talking about before the show as well, like, you know, like when you go to a dive bar and you see that, oh man, there's Carico tins, and, you know, that's that's an actual, like, bar spoon. That's like a Hoffman House bar spoon. Mm. It's like, 
it takes that like that one person to care. Yeah. And like bring in like a nice set of bar tools so that they can do something. And you're like, wait a minute. Like the 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 thing to me is like when I see good bar tools in a bar, like could be the shitty. I could be at like fucking Chili's in like you know uh, Gary, Indiana. You love Chili's. I do love uh, their Southwest egg rolls are <laughs> amazing. Uh, <laughs> but like if I see some good bar tools behind the bar, then I'm like. Like, it could be the shittiest place, like some shitty dive bar, some, like, crappy fucking honky-tonk, whatever. If I see good bar tools, then I'm like, oh, I can... There's a sparkle. I, you see yeah, that there's a can, there's a chance can you can get a, a decent Negroni, yeah. yeah. For me, the litmus test was always the Yarai mixing glass a few years ago. If I saw a Yarai mixing glass, I walked into a place in uh, Montreal a few years ago, probably four years ago. I was like, oh, they have a Yarai mixing glass. Let me try a cocktail. Uh, now... That's it's it, for me. That's to be a little bit more. If they have like two or three pieces of quality barware, then I'm often gonna hey, let me, how, let me uh, try this. Let me try. How, a how do you feel about like you know they say uh, you know what is it? Impersonation is the highest form of flattery or whatever. But now I see like Libby makes a a glass pitcher that certainly kind of harkens to the original Yara. Yeah, I mean it's Cocktail Kingdom owns the name Yarai. We own the name Corico. We own a lot of the things. If people don't violate our intellectual property I mean as long as right, they're making high quality things right? I mean the only time it upsets me uh, there's there's a couple brands that make inf- things that look similar but aren't well made and don't last and uh, as a consumer that would be upsetting as much as as a business person that's upsetting um, but I don't mind a little bit of competition or even a lot of competition it just we keep having to raise the bar uh, <laughs> pun intended. No, pun intended. <laughs> uh, we keep having to, you know, make better barware and create other things. The reserve line, as you mentioned, um, which we have mixing glasses, which are made of lead-free crystal that are then carved by a guy in a in a Western Pennsylvania whose family is an Aust- um, an Austrian glass cutting family and uses uh, kind of antique. Uh, machines to cut the glass so we keep making things nicer but of course those glasses are also super smooth on the inside so they're quiet when you stir it's it's a a battle to keep the quality high and the aesthetics a little bit nicer and a little bit nicer now you guys have always had like like going into the office it's always a lot of fun because like you have your prototypes and and they're like Don Lee's always like send it back yeah yeah. (laughs) our our quality control is insane I mean the Corico tins have uh we had a slight problem with them at one point where the mold had broken and the, the manufacturer didn't tell us that we had to remake it. They wanted to send us like 10,000 and like, no, they're not exactly right. Like, we'll give you a discount. No, we don't want a discount. We want the Corico tins to yeah. be Corico right. tins. The Melt these fucking are. things. We did. Melt them down. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I, have, yeah. I have a qualm with you, by the way. Right. Uh-oh. So what's that? <laughs> Some friction Let's on the show. Let's deal with it right now. Some friction on the show. I came to you mm. about... How, first of all, how long has Cocktail Kingdom been around now? Uh, roughly 2008. I think we might have... I think we switched the name from Mud Puddle to Cocktail Kingdom in 2009. So it was then. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it was probably around... Uh, no, it actually... Because I was working at Prime Eats at the time. And we opened in 2008. So it was probably, it was probably 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to you. I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> Let's we see talk, what it we is. We talked first. about it uh, about doing like a custom bar spoon and a julep strainer. Oh, but I, I know wanted... where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to do it in gunmetal, 
Uh, I, and I, you were like, nah, can't be done. Uh, it's not going to work. Possible. Think, like, it's going to be oil. In my youthful lead. ignorance, I didn't think it was possible. And now you have like a whole line of gunmetal tools, man. Well, I, I multi-inspired. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That lived with me all this time in some place in my subconscious. And <laughs> It's now been born. All right. Well, you know what? I forgive you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, you've got the reserve line. And then also just as recently as last, actually last Wednesday, was it? Uh, uh, Monday, yeah. Last it? Monday. What All right. Tuesday. I'll, oh, wait. Actually, we're neither of us right. It was Tuesday. What what happened on ah, Tuesday? At Astro Center. Yeah. The, uh, oh, the, the wonder- kind of opening I was party. doing my crazy LaFrench thing still. Yeah, we launched a a collection of barware, the uh, David Wondrich classic collection of barware. So it's funny, when you were talking earlier about uh, us competing on uh, eBay, that Mm -hmm. was definitely one of the other people was David Wondrich. And back then on eBay, you could kind of see who you were bidding against. It wouldn't give their full name, but it would give enough. And his was the same as his email address, his things. I kind of knew it was him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we, um, yeah, we actually... Both collected, pract- as, as do you, uh, practical barware. And so we put our heads together, figured out what was the best practical barware from 1800s and uh, early 1900s. And we've now created, the first thing we launched is a punch set. So David Wondrich uh, knows a thing or two about punch, yeah. written a book about punch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we uh, created ladles. He, actually, he owns the... the- doesn't he like have the copyright on the term punch? Really? <laughs> or something sure. like that? I'm pretty sure that's. I'm not thing. sure. If it's not true, I love that it's that like it's, some sort of lore. It's lore. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and of course, working with Wondrich was interesting because um, we're making a lot of the barware, the ladle, which has a wooden handle, but it's made out of EPNS, electroplated nickel silver. Yeah, manufacturers aren't really used to working with that anymore because it was ori- you know, one of the original anti-corrosive materials, but other things are cheaper. Uh, but we were using it. So it's silver-plated handle, but it's actually about 30% he- uh, heavier than stainless steel. So when you pick up this ladle, you may not notice it's 30% heavier. You'll be like, wow, that ladle feels really well. It pours really well. Um, so we just released yeah, a punch bowl, ladle. Um, and uh, we're going to be releasing more barware with uh, Dave Wondrich. And also we did little punch glasses, which are just three-ounce similar to a sherry glass. Uh, the idea is, as Wondrich will explain, that you want a smaller glass so you have more reasons to go back to the punch bowl, which is this... That's the center of attention. Yeah, so it's like a water attention. cooler. That's where yeah. Yeah, the water, yeah. Yeah. You don't want a big 16-ounce you know, and not have to go back. You want three ounces and go back every few minutes. Yeah. Um, the, the conversation, lively. There's actually... like I saw that I was there that night uh, for the release, and like they're, they're beautiful, man. The bowl is beautiful. The ladles are be- be- extremely beautiful. And I got to see some of the tools you're going to be recreating. I guess they're... Uh, coming out in like early November. Yeah, very uh, early November. Idea. We have a line, uh, a further extension of the line. So first it's punch, uh, punch stuff, yeah. and then we're doing uh, general barware like a, a Lindley strainer, Lindley pick strainer, which is a, a variation on the second strainer ever patented. It's cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah. And the punch bowl is awesome. It has a quote in Latin, of course, Wondrich, uh, on the inside, and I'm trying to remember what it says. It's like basically like. Uh, yeah, I forget the literal translation, it's like, but it's basically it's the Latin version of shut up and drink. Yeah, it's like eat up, drink up. This won't be So not only forever. if I get <laughs> the Wondrich tools, will they be beautiful and functional? I'll be smarter? <laughs> yeah, you're going to learn some Latin. <laughs> but it was fun. Even the packaging we designed, uh, the art team at uh, Cocktail Kingdom designed the boxes to look the way... Like, we, we didn't print directly on the box. We actually... Uh, Print it on a piece of paper and then had it pasted onto the box because that's what would have been done back in the late. Well, and also I, like I the noticed recently that your packaging game is 
dialed up quite a bit. Well, all the books, yeah. I mean, they're always like the packaging is. Yeah. Well, it's actually, you guys are both right. So the books, we weren't paying attention to our packaging, to the detail on the packaging mm-hmm. as much, but we were paying attention to the books being exact facsimile reproductions. So now we're going back and redesigning the art, the, the art team, uh, pretty much uh, Jeanette and Victoria cocktail kingdom are redesigning all of our packaging to be nicer to fit better within the aesthetics of the actual barware line i still like the hugo insulin book just like straight up like chipboard cover i mean it's awesome but like yeah i mean that's what the original one looked like i've been carrying ck stuff at it more for since we opened basically and i can remember back the yaris used to come in a brown box with no well, yeah, like we didn't have an looking. art department back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was like me like, and two people. Box with some, you know, hey, couple, man, it was, couple it was of styrofoam peanuts <laughs> inside. <laughs> um, Utilitarian. We're getting towards the end of the show, but I did want to talk about, uh, very quickly, at least mention uh, you're involved with a couple of bars. Uh, yes. Mace is uh, delicious. a great place. Uh, Nico DeSoto. Uh you want to talk about the speed stick? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you told me that, see, he had a bone to pick. I have one, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> you, you come to my bar pretty frequently, although yeah. I haven't seen you in a little while. And I'm standing there. I've had my my 40-centimeter CK spoon that the head got chopped off. Uh, the dishwasher? It went, it went through the dishwasher. <laughs> okay. a commercial dishwasher, and it got slipped down, and the, and the blade just took it off. And at first I was pissed, but then I was like, well, I mean... My grandfather has a glass pitcher on his bar with a glass rod. I can just stir with this rod. It'd be great. Yeah. And then not only did I was I less angry, it was my go-to for three years. And people would ask me about it, and I would say, oh, I call it the speed stick. And you were there one day, and you talked to me about it. And then a couple of weeks later, months, maybe a year, I don't know, the outcomes the DeSoto stirrer. <laughs> well, apparently, I'm sitting with both of the people that created the uh, Cocktail Kingdom barware. <laughs> <laughs> we just plant seeds, man. Uh, yeah, the double teardrops, but, the Nico DeSoto double teardrop stirrer. But then stirrer. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I don't care what it's called. Mm. And then I saw Nico and I was like, oh, the DeSoto, that's pretty cool. And he's like, the what? I'm like, Why didn't you call it fatigue, man? Come on. <laughs> well, okay. He didn't even know what it was. He was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Well, he did help create. Actually, yeah, Nico always would stir with the backside of the spoon, so yeah. uh, the spoon wasn't necessary. And, and Nico's over at Mace, which is uh, one of the top fifty bars in the world. Correct. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank on that. you very much. Um, so that it's uh, a really incredible uh, cocktail bar in the East Village. Um, Everyone should go out and check. If you haven't been to Mace, you should check it out. But also, uh, the other bar that you're involved with is kind of the more like neighborhoody, neighborhoody. Get like, in here and have a good time. Yeah, it's, it's called Boilermaker, and it's on. Uh, was it first and first? First, first and first. first. Yeah, the, the, the we were hanging out there the other night, actually, yeah. after the the Wondrous thing, and I was just like, man, I realize that every time I come into the city, I'm I always stop at this bar. Like, it just happens. Like, it's kind of like going to the holiday cocktail lounge. You sure. just end up there. Like, like I, I've got a meeting, you know, somewhere over here. But, like, I, I end up going by a Boilermaker every time. Like, just pop in and see Sam, you know? And, like, I have a, a beer and a shot. And, like, a, a lovely a Boilermaker. Yeah, it's a Boilermaker, man. And yeah, man, we want wings, to create a place that's a kind wings. of bar. I mean, to me, Mace is a bar I go to once a week, once every two weeks, maybe. It's a spice-based cocktail program. And then Boilermaker is the kind of place that I created you know with my partners to be a place you go to like twice a week yeah so it's equal parts you know beer and cocktails and then burgers and now we started serving pancakes i don't know if you heard about this midnight pancakes pancakes. starting at midnight seven days a week we release a pancake menu (laughs) how's that going 
It's going pretty well. I mean, I don't think the word's <laughs> totally out there yet, but uh, okay. definitely it's making oh, it a bunch now. of people happy. <laughs> it is now. Yeah, it is now. That's awesome, man. Midnight Pancakes Boilermaker. First and first. First, first. Yeah, I love it, man. It's always like, and especially because I always get the F train to come back to Brooklyn. Uh, I live, you know, in Carroll Garden, yeah. so it's like, I can't not you gotta go walk there. right by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you have to hide your face yeah. from the yeah. window. I'm a pretty like recognizable guy, so I can't yeah. like really <laughs> sneak like, by. <laughs> but yeah, they're both great places and do great you. things there. And man, and I just want to say personally, like from like a person who uh, being a bartender and a bar manager and being a cocktail enthusiast, I, like you've done, I, I think everyone can uh, agree with this. Yeah, uh, that you've done. Uh, an amazing thing for our community with the the modern uh, renaissance of classic cocktails and just not even classic just bars just in general. Yeah, um, uh, we we wouldn't be as uh, we wouldn't have as great we, of we wouldn't uh, be as well healed. Yeah, if it wasn't for you, uh, you know, publishing celebratory calibrations books and then uh, eBay battling with yeah. me and falling down the rabbit hole of. <laughs> But it yeah. takes it takes a certain kind of person to like really like go down that rabbit hole and and execute like some really amazing things. That, you know. I was lucky to have an amazing team. I mean, I had people around me that were used to sourcing things and uh, yeah. you know different people with different talents. And uh, it's, it's one of the times where a hobby got out of control and uh, turned into a business, and it actually Been worked there. out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. Um, and then also, I, I also want to thank you for being our guest today on the show uh, with well, me and Congratulations Southern. on your 200th episode. Thanks so yeah. much, Greg. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I can't even tell you. You know, it's been it's been six years I've been trying to get you on this damn show. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan's been on. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been a, a real fun time hanging out with you here. And, uh, you know, actually, for everyone that's listening out there uh, live, uh, we're going to be hanging out here at, out at Roberta's uh, from 4 to Whenever we run out of gin, Brooklyn Gin is a sponsor, uh, which I love and I work with them. And, gin tonics uh, on the patio. We're, yeah, we're just going to drink a bunch of gin tonics, probably eat some pizza, and hang out and just enjoy each other's company. So That's great. To all the listeners and to all the past guests for the past 200 episodes, I want to just, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. It's We've really grown this very nerdy cocktail show <laughs> into something that uh, I, I hope is... Uh, Special. Special. For and everyone friend. can enjoy it. Yeah. And I want to say a big thank you to Southern Teague, who is officially my co-host. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glad to be here. Started out just like, hey, man, yeah, I'll, I'll come in the studio. And then now we are we're equal parts, man. Bonded. <laughs> uh, and thank you to Heritage Radio Network for allowing me and everyone else who's been on the show to say, Fuck about uh, three billion times. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, I also want to thank uh, Patrick Martins and, and uh, Jack Inslee, especially uh, oh, yeah. for for letting this happen. Um, big guys. All right, that's it. I'm going to stop thinking, everybody, and we're going to go drink some gin and tonics. Yeah. If you check out the website today, you'll see a photograph of a carved half dollar. <laughs> that I had commissioned for the 200th episode of the Speakeasy. The half dollar's in Damon's pocket right now, but the photo's going to be on the profile picture of Speakeasy Radio today. You're Check a hell of a guy, man. I got it done by a, a, a lady named Hobo Shane who carves coins. Pretty cool. Check it out. All right. That's it for this week. Um, hey, man, here's to, uh, here's to 200 more. Right, guys? Here they come. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. 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 <laughs>
for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Oh,